You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Martial, they're going for the fifth. And Rashford gets his hat-trick, and there is the five. The three for substitute Marcus Rashford. That's uh, Leaf out of Solskjaer's own book as a player. It's Wednesday, Champions League action. Barcelona beat Juventus. Manchester United shock RB Leipzig. Chelsea get that W and PSG as well. We got all the action. Jimmy Conrad, Jonathan Johnson, stay right here. Another crazy evening in the Champions League. Jimmy Conrad, my man, Jimmy Conrad. We got so much action to talk about. Barcelona win against Juventus. United against Leipzig. I guess Julian, Julian Nagelsmann should never wear that suit again. We got Jimmy. Jimmy, how are you, bud? Yeah, I'm doing great. Some amazing games and some crazy scorelines today. Crazy, crazy. All right, let's begin with the obvious one, Barcelona against Juventus at Juventus. Many thought, you know, we'll see what happens with that Ronaldo. It got a little slow, but, you know, the game got going and Barcelona wins 2-0. How did you see it? Dude, it was wide open right from the get-go. I was like, what? I thought Juventus was known for the Cananaccio and because no Cristiano Ronaldo, they're going to stack two lines of four and really box Messi in. And that didn't happen. It was wide open from the get-go. Uh, I like the changes that uh, Ronald Koeman made for Barcelona. Usman Dembele in particular, he ended up scoring the first goal. Barcelona ended up kicking on and uh, winning 2-0. Messi, by the way, scored a penalty. I had him scoring anytime, plus 110. You're welcome, yeah. everybody, that bet you that. Did. I did. You. I had it. And what's crazy is the fun fact for you, Luis, is that uh, Juve have only dropped two games in the group stages of the Champions League twice in 20 years. So this is their third loss in 20 years in the group stages at home, that is. And uh, that's that's a crazy feat for Barcelona, especially because they were in some turmoil following El Clasico. Well, shout out to the unluckiest player in the world right now, Alvaro Morata. He had a goal disallowed uh, this past weekend. He had three today. Unbelievable. I mean, obviously... I think the first one, the handball, yes. But the one that was like offside, I mean, Mason Greenwood got a goal against United that wasn't offside. So I don't know, but he got very lucky. But regardless, Jimmy, here's the problem I see in this game. Barcelona, I think, deserve to win it. Uh, much better in possession, much better mm -hmm. going forward. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what Pirlo wants. I don't know their formation. I don't know their strategy. I understand um, when they go forward, they kind of want to obviously focus on Dybala pushing towards Morata. But with all the fact that they have one of the best center midfielders the game has ever seen as a manager, it's weird to me that they, they actually, he doesn't use them enough, or at least I see gaping holes in the midfield. And that's what I found in this game. How did you make of it, especially from Juventus's side? Yeah, I'm looking at their lineup right now. and. All things considered, I don't have too many problems with it. My only issue is that it's a different lineup than they've used before. They continue to change their lineups. They continue to mix and match. While, so he's trying to be this, you know, this mad scientist trying to find the right connection, but the players are trying to figure out where they're supposed to move. Who, wait, who am I playing with this game? And yes, I know these guys are top professionals. They get paid a lot of money to be good at this right away, but it takes time. 
to, to build that rapport and to understand how people are going to move in different situations. And when you're trying to mark somebody like a Messi who is impossible to mark and you need people more than just one to really negate what he brings to the table, communication is key. And if you're used to one person stepping in and, and doing something, let's say it from a defensive perspective, and that's not happening this time around, it, it just opens up gaps that you're not used to. And then it's really hard to transition as well because you're like, wait, when I win the ball, why isn't he standing where that other player used to stand, you know? And so there's these little things and these nuances. And I thought Barcelona did an excellent job of, of keeping the ball and staying patient and, and creating the spaces and, and looking for those triangles. And as the game wore on and more of the Morata chances didn't count, you could see it kind of dishearten Juve a little bit. And, and yeah, I know we sound, it, it sounds like, well, these guys, again, are, are, they should be able to play through some disappointment. They should be able to play through that. But they're human beings like the rest of us. And if things aren't going their way that day, sometimes it's hard to shake it if you're not all collectively working and rowing the boat in the same direction. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened in the opening goal. Ousmane Dembele gets that beautiful first-time cross-the-ball uh, assist from Lionel Messi, and Juventus kind of just sat back. I mean, he got lucky with the deflection, but he did, like, Juventus were just not sure how to even cover Dembele, which was really weird, and he did a really good job uh, at taking over his chance, and, and away they went with that lead. And then as the game continued, it really felt that there was no strategy when Juventus had the ball. You know, Chiesa is so talented, but it seemed very individualistic, like in terms of like what he wanted to achieve. Morata was trying to do everything he can, granted, three goals disallowed, but still, it just wasn't enough. And when you're playing at home, I understand that you're playing Messi in Barcelona. I feel that you need to take more of a stamp on the game. And to your point, that's not going to happen when you consistently offer inconsistency in your starting formation. I mean, I think it was a mistake to like Arthur Meller didn't start. Aaron Ramsey didn't even play. Weston McKenney came late. It was just, it was just weird. It, I, I get that Pirlo is still trying to figure it out. But brother, this is the Champions League. This is Barcelona. Let's go. So I think to your point, what I notice is there's, this isn't isolated to just Juventus, but there are a few clubs right now, especially ones that have new coaching changes that could have really benefited from a summer and a proper preseason. Right now, Andrea Pirlo has been thrown into the fire. He definitely had the owner's ear or the people that make the decisions. Like, oh, if I was in charge, I would have been doing this when Sarri was making his decisions. He got the responsibility, and now he's got to figure it out. And now he's got to answer these, these questions that they're probably having of him. Like, why doesn't this look better? You said all these things when you weren't coaching. Now you're coaching, and you can't make the changes that you said that you could make. So there's going to be a little – I mean, I'm interested to see how this ends up playing out. I think they'll give him the full season for sure. But, but how long is it going to take him to find that? And he's got a lot of options at his disposal. Chiesa, was he a needed buy? I'd rather have just given more minutes to Dybala, who I guess he's got to stay healthy. But there's a lot of questions there. And on the flip side, I'm pretty happy with Barcelona. I love that Griezmann got the opportunity to start in that false nine. He doesn't look confident to me right now. He had a couple of good opportunities. One hit the post. Then he had another one where Griezmann maybe a couple seasons ago would have buried it for sure in the top corner. So I feel like he's a little unsure of himself, which makes sense given the situation. But he dug his own hole there, right? Criticizing Ronald Koeman a little bit earlier. I do like, though, that despite the fact that Arujo went out, by the way, with an injury, so they moved De Jong back at center back. So, like, essentially, if Juve can't score that situation, what the hell is going on with their, their attack? Busquets ended up coming in and holding it down at CDM. And, and because they're so good on the ball, these guys, I mean, their best defense is just keeping the ball. Possession is their best defense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, like it was a good response uh, after losing El Clasico and going away at Juventus and getting three points, which is the most important thing. And now Barcelona are two for two. And listen, the last point about Juventus, they went away at Dynamo Kiev and 
uh, Pirlo's formation was much more, you know, uh, sort of organized. Morata, Ramsey right behind him, Rabio and Betancourt like holding down and Chiesa and Kulusevsky acting like more conventional wingers. And I feel that that could have helped them more today. Having said that, it's over. Barcelona win uh, to nothing. And, you know, it's going to be tough, but Juventus probably will pick itself up after, you know, Ronaldo comes back and everything. Okay, let's talk about the next game. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I'm sorry. Do I need to write you a letter? <laughs> uh, send you like, uh, I don't know, like uh, I'll DM you on Instagram. I'm, I'm, not, I'm just, I'm really sorry. Here we were before PSG, we said, well, I said PSG was just going to take advantage, redemption, blah, blah, blah. It didn't happen. RB Leipzig. You were in this too, Jimmy. We said, listen, Nagelsmann's going to come in and he's going to completely outdo you tactically. Oh, my God. Four nothing against RB Leipzig. No, no five nothing. Five nothing. Five nothing against RB Leipzig. That's right. Anthony Martial scores the penalty at the very end. Marcus Rashford, MBE to all you peasants. Three goals, a hat trick with Mason no, he, Greenwood. He came on as a super sub. He came on in the 63rd minute. And he and just then, had, and he just and said he just never ever put me on the bench again. Unbelievable. Five nothing. Julian Nagelsmann never wear that suit again, brother. Never, because this is what's going to happen. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What'd you make of it? What I really and I should apologize to Ole Gunnar as well. I liked his squad rotation. I liked that he took a chance. He left Fernandez on the bench. He left left Rashford on the bench. Uh, Cavani's on the bench. McTominay, who had been doing very well next to Fred in the double pivot. And he ended up going with a, a four-one-two-one-two, and I, Matic was sitting in there a little bit, or Fred, and then you had Matic and Pogba right above him, and then you had Van de Beek uh, underneath as well with Martial and Greenwood. I mean, I just—they looked fresh. They looked ready to go. I watched the first five, 10, 15 minutes specifically, and I loved their energy. And it seemed like all the players that maybe hadn't got minutes were very hungry to prove that they deserved to have minutes. Van de Beek, I think, looked a little bit out of place. Maybe he was playing a little bit higher than normal but I like him in midfield. I still think he makes good decisions on the ball. I think he helps support the play really well. He knows when to slow it. He's a rhythm guy, right? Same with Bruno Fernandes. I like when he's on the field too with, with Vanderbeek and Mata. The, the way that they establish the rhythm is really cool, but I love what I saw from United today. And then obviously Rashford, as you said, came on and started flexing on everybody. Uh, and I didn't really mind RB Leipzig's tactics. I just thought that they got caught by surprise. And it seemed like Nag Nagelsmann or Nagelsmann, excuse me, were had an idea of like Rashford was definitely going to start and probably had different ways of how they were going to break down this double pivot and how, because Manchester United had been so defensive over the last few weeks that they were going to probably see something similar. And it wasn't like that at all. And they went after him a little bit and set up in a way that really countered uh, RB Leipzig. And I don't think they were prepared. And I feel like we saw it in the semifinals of the champions league where Nagelsmann again, wore a really nice suit against PSG and got outmanaged by Thomas Tuchel, who also added a few wrinkles there. Remember, he didn't play with a straight-up number nine. He, he played with a false nine. He had he had uh, Di Maria, Neymar, and Mbappe as the front three, and they weren't prepared for that. They were expecting an Icardi or Chupamotin to be up there. They were waiting for, for a big number nine, and it didn't happen, and they weren't prepared, and that sucked the center backs out of the space, and then they got exposed by the really quick wingers, and they lost it. They, they should have lost that game. And I feel like we saw a lot of it here. There's that uh, little bit of being naive, I think, from a young manager. He's going to learn from this. It's only going to make him better down the line. But, yeah, he got exposed tonight. Take nothing away from individual talent, too, as well, I think. You know, uh, Dyer Upamecano is a great player, but Marcus Rashford showed him off. 
today. It was unbelievable. But I also like the diamond midfield for Manchester United that started Matic and then Fred and Pogba mm-hmm. uh, with Van der Beek in, right, in, right in front of him. That, I think that adds a lot of composure and the ability and the freedom for Paul Pogba to do his thing, which is what happened when he assisted Mason Greenwood. But a tremendous victory, my friend. 5 nothing, and now two wins for two. Um, and they look ahead to Istanbul, Bishakshir, as you know, we can take 3 for 3 here, right? Anything else from this game or any other game uh, JJ, Jonathan Johnson will join us in a second, obviously, to break down PSG and others. But anything else that 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 looked that you looked at, because we know we have to go soon. Anything that you saw that you thought, you know, let's talk about it. Well, I nailed my first two bets, which was Rashford getting over one shot on goal. So tapping myself on the back for that. And then uh, also Messi scoring anytime. So I was there. Erling Holland ended up scoring for Dortmund. It took them uh, pretty late to get that result, but he ended up scoring. I thought that uh, their opponent was going to score as well. I don't think that ended up happening because we're taping it here right at the end of all these games. Uh, but I did like Sevilla doing the business against uh, uh, Ren. I thought that uh, the goal by Luke de Jong, if you guys haven't seen it yet, just a well-executed ball going wide. Sevilla knowing exactly what to do when that happens in the good One runs. touch, boom. When you watch this goal, and I, I encourage everybody at home to watch it, players, coaches, just fans of the game, watch Luke de Jong, his recognition to get into a good spot to be right where the ball should be because they could both recognize where that space was. The center back is just caught ball watching. The caught, he got caught and oh my God, he was too late at that point. And it's just Sevilla to perfection. And they're so good in Europe. And that was another, another example of that. So yeah, great games today. And I'm excited for match day three. Absolutely. Jimmy Conrad, always with the analysis, always with the betting tips. And guess what? He's coming back tomorrow for a Halloween special as well. Jimmy C, always good to have you brother. And we'll see you soon. All right, sounds good, thanks. Welcome back, everybody. We welcome in now my man, JJ, Jonathan Johnson. JJ, how are you, man? Yeah, good. Thanks, and you? I'm good. I'm good. Excited to chat to you about PSG. Uh, They got that win. Uh, It didn't look like at the very beginning, Istanbul were a bit resilient. Uh, How did you see the game? Yeah, absolutely. I think resilience is the right word to describe uh, Istanbul Basakshir here. PSG found it tough going for for most of the time. And then, uh, you know, a couple of moments of magic, uh, Kylian Mbappe and Moise Keane combining twice, uh, giving them the two goals and getting them in three points. Big three points for PSG in terms of the way the group is panning out, particularly when you consider the United results as well. And the fact PSG have got to go to Leipzig next. Uh, but obviously a big dampener on that for PSG is the fact that Neymar came off in the first half injured. Uh, he's got an adductor issue, according to coach Thomas Tuchel. Uh, he'll undergo tests once uh, PSG return to Paris, which is now going to be uh, under lockdown after the French government announced uh, new measures, which won't affect uh, Ligue 1 and professional football being played in France, but will affect everybody else. Uh, living in the country Uh, and so obviously there's going to be a lot of eyes on Neymar's situation for the next couple of weeks particularly as we're going into another international break where Brazil are going to be playing some important World Cup qualifiers. Yeah absolutely another injury to Neymar we'll see how long that one takes but to your point it was good for Moise Keane who had a rough start with Everton on loan at PSG um, he, he's doing he's doing well. Uh, he, he had some good goals this past weekend and now in the Champions League. So this is good for the team, I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things that people forget with Moise Keane is just how young he is. He's still 20. I mean, the fact that he scored for PSG tonight makes him the youngest Italian uh, Champions League debutant to score since Alessandro Del Piero 
Uh, you know, so he's, he's got so, so far to go in his career. And he is a very talented player. And I think people forget that considering how disastrous uh, the spell was with Everton. I mean, my thinking about this was that it was very low risk for PSG to take uh, Keane on loan. They do have an option to buy, which I think makes the, the deal uh, that much better. But Keane, like Florenzi, uh, you know, I think that there was always more for PSG to gain than lose in this. Uh, and it's paying dividends for them right away. Uh, you know, I think that Keane has stepped in uh, when uh, they've had issues trying to get Icardi on the pitch with his knee problem at the moment. He should return to training next week. But how long it's going to be before he'll be able to regularly start. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, and while Neymar and Mbappe are struggling to score in the Champions League, Keane has now stepped in and filled that void. So uh, at this moment in time, it's a, it's a move that's really working out. And you've got Pereira as well, who's been brought in and can play in midfield. Um, we discussed this in the preview, uh, actually played in defence against uh, Bashexi here, uh, allowing Marquinhos to play in midfield. So, you know, PSG, already starting to, to show a little bit of depth, a bit of versatility uh, with some of those players that arrived at the end of the transfer window and Keane, uh, you know, headlining those guys right now. So as you mentioned, uh, they have RB Leipzig twice, actually. They'll play RB Leipzig twice in a row. Obviously, there'll be a two-week break after the first one. Let's talk about Chelsea now. Uh, Krasnodar and home to Chelsea. Again, it started a little, uh, you know, shaky. Chelsea obviously taking the upper hand, but Krasnodar was holding and then everything went loose. Uh, Christian Pulisic did really well to come on and, and, and sort of solidify things, but it was an overall good performance for nothing. How did you see that game? Yeah, I think it will definitely be a confidence boost, that result. Uh, like you said, you know, it was a stern test for the majority until uh, those, le those late goals uh, loosened up the scoreline, uh, you know, and I think this this bodes well for Chelsea as well, particularly when you consider the result before against Sevilla being held nil nil. Uh, Sevilla running out one nil winners against Ren in the other match. Uh, you know, this this opens things up nicely in the group now for for those two teams, uh, and you'd probably expect them to both go on and, and secure those top two spots. Uh, but you know, for Chelsea, I think it was really important that they uh, came back from a couple of uh, low scoring matches. Uh, you know, and, and really showed their attacking prowess again. And we saw that in Russia. You know, I'm getting really tired of Jorginho's run-up. Like, I get it. Like, it's it's fine. But, like, whatever happened to the good old Alan Shearer smash in the top left, right? Like, let's get some of that old school back. Like, if a Panenka goes wrong, it's over. But I hate the run-up. Like, it hit the post, then the keeper, he misses. What do you make of it? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not the biggest fan of it. Uh, Bruno Fernandes as well also has a, has a very gimmicky run-up, uh, which I saw at close quarters at Parc des Princes last week. So yeah, for me, I, I would get rid of it. And you know what? If we're going to be doing that, we may as well bring back the old uh, North American style penalties. We Hell that. yeah! <laughs> oh, Mbappé would kill everybody if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of European players over the years I would have loved to have seen in a scenario like that. Oh, that is so true. Imagine Ronaldinho like just go, going up against one-on-one -on -one with a keeper. It would be kind of incredible. That's amazing. All right, let's talk about some other games here. Lazio tight club, Bruges. Dortmund beat Senate St. Petersburg. Uh, but let's focus on Sevilla beating Rennes. Uh, Rennes now losing... Uh, one nothing, a really nice finish from Luke de Jong. I talked about it with Jimmy earlier. Uh, what does this mean for Rennes uh, going forward? Uh, not, not a good result. 
No, it wasn't. It was obviously very disappointing. But I think the main talking point surrounding Ren, more so than the result, uh, is the bizarre circumstances in which they lost Eduardo Camavinga to injury uh, and uh, Stephen Nzonzi, more importantly, through suspension. Camavinga was just very um, uh, unfortunate. I mean, and if you're a conspiracy theory fan, let's not forget that his dead leg was caused by Amadou, the Sevilla loney who's playing for Angers this past weekend. So somehow, somehow doing his parent club is solid there. Uh, but the, the Stephen Enzonzi situation is a really, really bizarre one. So UEFA officially made their um, dissatisfaction known with certain elements of the, the Ren Krasnodar match last week. And then in the afternoon before the Ren players are supposed to travel to Seville uh, on Tuesday, UEFA communicate to them that Steven Enzons has actually been handed a one-match suspension for kicking out of the bottle on his way to an anti-doping test. For me, this, this is a first. It's very, very bizarre. You know, for, you, for Ren to already be going to Seville uh, without Camavinga, that seriously weakens the midfield. But if you take Enzonzi out of the mix as well, two of Ren's regular starters in the, in the midfield, it, to be honest, it's a miracle they didn't lose by more. Uh, I thought that they were doing very, very well to, to hold Sevilla goalless uh, at half the time. And unfortunately, they were undone by a moment of magic, fantastic ball in, and like you said, lovely finish by De Jong, but very suspicious circumstances surrounding uh, the absence of particularly in Zonzi. Yeah, that is crazy. That's a telenovela waiting to happen. And But you're right, Sevilla could have won by more. They had 23 shots to Rennes, two, nearly 70% possession. The Steven and Sonsi thing is ridiculous. So what's going to happen now? You're going to completely monitor players outside of the pitch the whole time? I mean, I understand in discipline, but come on. Very weird, especially to come that late, no? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think uh, Ren, uh, you know, would be it would be understandable if they were more up in arms than they are. Uh, I think they, you know, they should be commended for getting on with things as well as they have. But, you know, I think that they can feel hard done by. Uh, fingers crossed for them uh, from a French football point of view that they can recover and, and salvage something and make a fist of finishing third in the group. But obviously this puts them at a bit of a disadvantage. But like I said, a 1-0 defeat away at Sevilla, if you'd given Rem that at the beginning uh, of, the, of the group stage and, and said that they would have a chance to fight for other results elsewhere, they'd have taken it. Uh, I just think I, I'd be interested to know if the punishment would have been the same had it been a really big name player, uh, you know, any of the guys that we mentioned earlier uh, this evening, you know, the likes of an Mbappe, the likes of a Neymar, a Messi, a Ronaldo, uh, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, I guess. Well, I think the answer is right there. There's no way that would have happened to a player like that. Poor Steven Sonzi. And now Ren have to travel to Chelsea to try and see if they can get that win. Is there any other game here from tonight that you uh, wanted to specifically talk about? We talked about Club Bruges tying with Lazio, Dortmund winning 2-0 against Zenit St. Petersburg. Anything that stands out? Yeah, well, I, I thought that the Club Brugge uh, Lazio result was uh, obviously going to be one of interest. There were so many absentees on the Lazio side. And it goes back to what we were saying in the preview, really, that the pressure was off of Lazio after getting that win uh, over Dortmund. Dortmund came into their match with pressure on them to get the result. Uh, you know, so I think that Lazio will probably come away from that one thinking, you know what, could have been a lot worse. Coming away with a point, four points from the, the two opening matches, uh, it will be quite happy with that. Uh, you know, and I think it will suit uh, Club Brugge as well because I'm not sure they would have banked 
uh, on taking all three points against Zenit in the opening round of matches. But this one was important for Dortmund to get the win. They left it late, uh, but Sancho and Haaland goals, uh, you know, as you'd expect, two of their main men coming through for them in the end. Uh, you know, and that takes a bit of the pressure off of them now after that disappointing early result. Uh, it was a pleasure <clears throat> speaking with Mats Hummels over the weekend. He was looking forward to that match. He said that it was, you know, a must win for, for Dortmund. They really had to, to respond. Uh, and now they're looking to build on their away form uh, for the remainder of the, the group stage. So I think that one will stand Dortmund in good stead uh, moving forward. The other result, actually, that, that caught my eye was uh, Ferenc Varos fighting back from two goals down at home to Dynamo Kiev, you know, a club who's been away from the Champions League stage for so long to come back and do that, especially with the superb finish from top match as well. Uh, you know, I, for me, Ferenc Varos was always going to be one of the really interesting storylines uh, coming into this group stage, just because they've been out of the picture uh, for so long. Obviously, things got a bit ugly for them at Camp Nou against Barcelona in the opening round. Uh, so for them to fight back in heroic circumstances uh, against Dynamo Kiev, you know, I think they'll take heart from that and we'll see if that they if they can uh, make a fist of finishing third in the group. Well, Dynamo Kiev have won just one of uh, their last 10 UEFA Champions League matches, so take that from what you will. Jonathan Johnson, always good to have you, my friend. I know that you're speaking to us from Paris. Get some sleep, brother, so we can uh, get going here during the week. Man, how do you expect me to sleep with all of this excitement? So many great games, amazing goals. It's, yeah, it's phenomenal. And guess what? Villa plays early uh, on Saturday, so we're going to get that extra energy, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> We're about to lose some <laughs> listeners. JJ, thank you so much. Thanks a lot, my man. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jonathan Johnson and Jimmy Conrad for joining me today. Make sure that you catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And we'll see you next time as we give you our weekend recap, Europa recap, and so much more. We'll see you then. a very bright shining light Sarajevo and they needed to kill that light from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2 U2 they represent a personification of our resistance the Hollywood reporter hails kiss the future moving and inspirational kiss the future viva Sarajevo kiss the future new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus go to Paramount Plus to try it free terms apply